0: is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now it's time to grow your clinic. What have you been thinking about? Are we
1: recording? Is this, is this it, it?
0: <laughs> Yeah, we're recording. Welcome to the uh, podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah. What have I been thinking? Um, I've been thinking about the, the value of connection human connection, a face-to-face connection, which is odd for this little introvert. <laughs> and I've been thinking about discipline. And
0: especially after you've just done a, what, a weekend silent retreat
1: I did by it, yes. yourself. I did do a silent and silence and solitude
0: your retreat. Not saying that you can't be dynamic and also like other people, but uh, just for <laughs> listeners.
1: Well, I've been diving into this, this theme of disciplines. You know, spiritual disciplines to be precise, but the, the definition of a, of a classical discipline would be a process of being formed for the sake of others. So, it's this idea of kind of formation, spiritual formation. Okay. So, it's a process that takes time. You're being formed. You can't form yourself. You need to be formed. The reality is we're all becoming someone, yeah? Right. And so, so how do we create an environment for, for that to happen in a healthy way? For the sake of others, the last thing that I want to do is end up in a navel-gazing, you know, kind of – the world revolves around like how much of our – how many of the challenges of the world we're in are a result of people becoming so insular and the world revolves around me. That's not healthy. I want my world to revolve around others. And so, it's got to be for – I want to be better for the sake of others. And so, yes, in a contradictory – what's the word? Like a dual dualistic sense. Dichotomy? Uh, dichotomy. My man, Jocko Willink, <laughs> in the dichotomy of uh, a personal development, silent and solitude retreat so that I can show up better for others.
0: Nice. And so what are some of the learnings, evolutions of the environment in particular? That seems key, like the process takes time and then environment's a key part. So going Uh, to a retreat was an environment. Yeah, so I guess when I
1: say retreat, I just booked it in my diary and made it happen. It wasn't like no one else organised it. I booked a a crummy, mouldy little motel room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What a place. Here I was was thinking like you're next to the beach, you know, or in a rainforest or like near a winery. No.
1: No, a mouldy motel room. And But that was deliberate, right? I wanted not to be distracted by the environment other than the, the blue stuff in my nose. That's it, it was within walking distance of the beach and the rainforest. <laughs> so that was important. I, I read a couple of books while I was there and interestingly, some disciplines around abstinence or engagement. I really like this, right? right. So silence is a discipline of abstinence. You need to abstain from noise because how hard is it Like, I don't know about you, it's just it's nearly impossible to sit in silence. Especially when you've got kids. (laughs) There's kids, (laughs) there's phones, there's pings, there's like squirrel, you know, like we're all kind of addicted to the adrenaline of distraction. So, fasting, like food, is a discipline of abstaining from food. Solitude, abstaining from others. Okay. Versus a a discipline of, of engagement, like generosity. You have to choose to be giving. Community for again for this little introvert engaging with humans is a discipline of engagement. I have to choose; otherwise, I tend towards individualism. So that that different engaging in learning, reading, picking something up, and self development is a discipline of engagement, as opposed to a discipline of abstinence. So there you go.
0: It was quite it was a quiet retreat, but you're also reading so yeah uh, I guess there's noise in the mind you're you're stimulating your thoughts there versus maybe trying to sit in meditation, not stopping the thoughts but maybe slightly mm. different experience. Did you then read books that were related to that or they are totally different
1: yeah it was related on that, so it's kind of this interplay of some times of meditation, silence, thinking, and processing and then and then reading so but but one of the books was called well, the two books, "Invitation to a Journey," right? Or the journey of formation. Okay. And Another book called "The Joy of the Disciplines," <laughs> and so it's like you would read about these the disciplines of abstinence, and then you'd go and practice it. So it was kind of a a dance, if you will, a solitary dance.
0: Yes. <laughs> No one wants to see you dance. <laughs> no, no, that, A front rower. It's for, for the
1: motel walls
0: only. Yeah. God. <laughs> nice. Okay. So what has happened since that retreat for you? Because I know you mentioned it on one of our morning huddles. Maybe it was this week. Was mm. this week?
1: Yeah. Was I mean, on? it was just last weekend. It was 48 hours ago. Many of those disciplines were kind of part of my rhythm, but I just want to continue to build the habits and these rhythms and uh another book that's really been I've read three times now over the last two years is a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Right. Not too dissimilar to uh doesn't have to be crazy, crazy at, work. at work. And it's, it's always this dichotomy, like you said, of like hustle and grind and get stuff done versus find a pace. Mm. Like what what's the pace of you know, whenever I hang out with old sages, and it's not just because they're old. When you hang out with wise people or well-to-do people, I always find they walk slower than I do. They just walk slowly. So this rule of life, if you will, it's it's just forming. It's forming. That's a process of that. It's nothing too transformational. This is a big one. I've been wrestling with this idea of transformation versus formation and formation being that slow, almost unobservable shift. Like we talk at CM, right, around monumental versus incremental shifts in your clinic and sometimes we chase the silver bullet the panacea of the transformation when in fact it's the 20 mile march it's the long obedience in the same direction that yields the greatest fruit over time
0: a few good parallels what was it that sparked this for you as a as a thing to do can you sort of trace back where this because uh, the question was what have you been thinking about um, right. most recently can you observe a catalyst for that thinking
1: certainly i mean mental health has been a consideration for i'd say it's all over the last couple of years it's definitely in the front of mind pun intended through covid so continually working on like i don't want to don't want to have to get to a place where i'm sick enough to seek a doctor, if you will, but how can you can lean into performance and wellness avoiding sickness? So there's probably a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, trying to find things that don't come naturally, like a, and work, you know, it's easy to be absorbed and distracted, but getting above above that noise. Yeah, so that that's been a lot of my personal development journey. And then I'm sure there'll be another podcast on my clinic owner experiences over the last couple of months. And so just coming from that context of spinning a lot of plates and doing a lot and being busy and running a million miles an hour, which is healthy if it's coupled with times of slowness, speed and slowness. So it was a, it's a, it was a big push, big season and coming into a, a slower moment mm. so that we can go for another fast season. I mean, it's, it's February, right? So it's a play month. Yeah. So I wanted to try and incorporate some of those principles of play as well.
0: One of the things that, you and I have often discussed is kind of this this principle of cadence or speed or rhythm, also the ability to be able to do deep work, deep work in your genius, kind of the work that is needed by your business to progress over time, perhaps so that you're not always reacting and responding to what's going on. What have you found useful in being able to create an environment or a discipline that allows you personally to get into deep work? I think
1: you and I, as an example, are wired very differently. And so for mine, it's closing loops. It's taking care of business, then creates the space for me to get above and or or get into the deep zone.
0: So how do you do that? How do you do that? Because there are so many loops that are often open or, or started when you're just closing other ones off.
1: Because
0: mm. I'm sure there's plenty of folks tuning in who are similar to you. How do you go about doing that when there are continued loops opened or started?
1: I do two things specifically. One would be set aside time to close loops. So if it's time blocking to get that inbox to zero or get that slack to zero, to time blocking that but you're right, it feels impossible because everything is perpetual. So I find setting up delays or setting up lags where I know I can be off the grid because that really, I find, at least for me, I need to be off the grid to get deep. But you can only get off the grid if you've created delays. And so whether it's a, an out-of-office autoresponder or snoozing stuff in your inbox or, you know, saying I'll get to this on Monday, I'll get to Monday. Schedule things into the future which gives you a window of opportunity across that Friday, Saturday in the case just passed.
0: makes sense. My accountant, he has an email autoresponder that's set, I think, for every Friday or Monday and just comes through and says, thanks so much, I'll get back to you on this. Today I spend working on my business, something to that effect, or doing a retreat to uh, rejuvenate myself. I'm like, cool, totally, fantastic. Mm. I appreciate that rather than going, it's an open loop for me. So in a similar way, you're saying set up those things Mm. so that you can have the time to go deep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a scheduler. So sticking to a rhythm, and a routine and, and scheduling out that deep time still needs to be scheduled in my experience, at least. I want to know what I'm going to get
0: done. Would you say you like you like to have every sort of minute of your day accounted for, ideally planned for? Mm. So in your GCAL, you've yep. got the time blocks associated, even if they're not meetings, they're commitments to yourself and the work that you've got to do. You prefer to have that visualised through your week?
1: Yeah. I I think Dan just loves white space
0: yeah, yeah
1: I don't get it <laughs> I, I, like I understand the craving of white space, but it, it ends up unproductive and of course not everything has to be productive yeah. but in, in my if it's white, white can end up in distraction
0: land for you for Dan opposite yes he he he'll go into genius zone of uh creating some amazing system, policy, procedure, whatever. Because mm. he knows I've, I've got no other commitment in the day, but for you that's kind of I'm not sure what to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, it just gets distracted. You kind of, oh, squirrel, you know. like <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, white space doesn't work yeah. for that. Me. I mean, it's nice not, it's not when, when there's time to do nothing and to unplug and, and just be white space is heavenly.
0: So you retreat would be a white space section in the diary yep mm. nice you do you time block time with the family or kids or is it just a nine to five how else does that work in your schedule mm,
1: no time blocked i guess the the guiding principle for me is if it you know if it's not scheduled it doesn't happen and so the big rocks have to go in first you know you kind of prioritize the most important things first so yeah i mean i've got a standing time block uh, i've got my diary in front of me here from seven forty-five to 8 15 is family fun is what we call it i get home from the gym i'll make my wife a coffee have a wrestle with the kids before they get the school uniform on you know help with the lunches and, and that half an hour is family fun and then you know when i clock off work we've kind of got an hour or so to have dinner and do the bath routine and read the books and yeah that's got to be scheduled otherwise work just leaks yeah like things like or the gym leaks or pop up and have this or coffee here or this there and so i'm finding myself a lot more protective of those times and even the weekends like saturday is we've got kind of not from a, uh, a strict kind of religious sense but trying to create a, a sabbath if you will on a saturday and creating that family rhythm and rule of life. I love that phrase, that rule of life. And so just like, but it's really hard to protect your Saturdays. It's really hard. From, there's wedi- wedding. Here, or oh, there's I a can- wedding here or there's a birthday there or there's a brunch there or there's this or like, oh, I didn't get to this that week. Like everything will, will eat up your time. There's There's always more demands than we've got capacity for. But even little things like our son is coming of age to start engaging in sports and you know i don't want to live vicariously my my sporting dreams through my kids right but uh how can we choose activities that complement our family we don't want to be out all weekend at kids sports at this season of life and so how can we pick a sport that fits our family
0: rhythms and play cricket (laughs) so. <laughs>
1: yeah, indoor cricket. T20 is <laughs> a thing now. Remember 10 over comps? Oh,
0: yeah. oh For those that uh, have played cricket or got any family members that play cricket, you will uh, appreciate your weekends when you have them, Yeah. <laughs> all Saturday, all Sunday. So that's, uh, that's what's top of mind for me. Mm. What about you? Top of mind for me has been I've really gotten back into some Jim Collins stuff. I don't even know when, but let's call it in the last six months. And you referenced the 20-mile march, which is something he spoke about. The idea of the flywheel in particular has just been something I've been really fascinated by. As I remember reading it ages ago, but maybe not having the awareness, mental acuity, whatever it is, to go wow, that could be really cool, and then go through the exercise of defining it. Right. I guess from a meta perspective, one of the things I think a lot about, in a similar way to what you're referencing, is flow. And how do I create more flow in my day, in my week, in my month? And that covers, like, everything, workflow, life flow, et cetera. Um, So often I'm the one opening the bloody loops that Jack likes to close. (laughs) Uh, He's like, stop it, Ben. But that kind of how do I do things that I don't necessarily feel I'm putting on different hats, if you would, but it's just me in my jam, whether that's entertaining the kids, whether that's going out for coffee with a friend or whether that's doing some work, I guess the kind of connecting thought for me is creating flow and the environment to facilitate that. And part of the work element of flow, if you would, I really liked, and I'm a very visual person, so I really liked the visual Mm -hmm. of the, the flywheel coming back and going, hey, actually this like literally connects a bunch of dots that have been open in my head and i haven't known how to connect them right right. or i just haven't observed it or articulated it in such a way that's like god that's so obvious (laughs) so that for mine has been like a, a really great framework for flow in a few different areas i'm
1: curious how do you show up when you're not in flow you'd probably be better to Answer that question. <laughs> not on the record. Not on the record. No, no,
0: no, no. <laughs> how do I show up?
1: <laughs> like, like, how does it, how does it manifest? Because uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I know there's some flies on the wall here, proverbially listening in. So,
0: you know, yeah,
1: for, for people to perhaps empathise or, or resonate. How do you like? What's it? How does it manifest?
0: Well, it definitely manifests because one of the things that I do to get in flow or part of my genius of the way I think is, you know, what's the next idea or, or how do we make this better? How do we improve on it? Mm-hmm. And so without enough forethought about maybe a, a, a broader strategy or just a timeline or a thought process of, you know, second and third order consequences, what happens is the production of so many different ideas or open loops that are somewhat, they're all at their infancy or they're all at the same stage Mm. versus I don't mind having, you know, something that's open, but it's at its maturity or it's nearly done. And then something else can start as well. So it can look like a pile of, you know, a lot of open loops for me that's different between you and me in the sense, isn't it? Over time, like, I feel I'm actually pretty good at managing, or not managing, but being okay that that thing's not quite done. It's there, it's open, and I'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know you'd much rather like, all right, let's close that before maybe we move on to the next one. Yeah, one one at a time, yeah. Generally speaking. Mm -hmm. So for mine, it's definitely this tipping point of where and a good reflection for mine is you know maybe the inbox gets over um, i'd say 40 40 emails not that they're all not read but I'll, that's kind of like the first page on my google is a good mm-hmm. sign of like mm-hmm. okay things are a little bit delayed and or there's just an unruly amount of post-it notes on my desk that i need to sort of consolidate and, and clean up that's probably a couple of things very practically. I don't know. What do you observe? I Safe
1: space, of course. Of course. Cool. No, <laughs> I, I observe that the, when you are in flow, there's a lot of clarity on ideas. You, you're, all, you're always in idea mode, which makes me a little bit anxious at times. But when you're in flow, those ideas are really clear and concise and uh, it seems to me like you work hard, to find simplicity, not, not simplistic, but to find simple. It seems to me perhaps when you're, when you're out of flow that it can tend towards unnecessary complexity.
0: Yes. Um, and that's that point of the, maybe not the considering of the second or third order yeah. consequences. Yeah. And to that degree, one of the things I've become acutely aware of that over the last four to five years, let's call it, after we had a collective 360 degree review, which is essentially don't beat around the bush, just give it to us in a supportive, but in a straight way of what do you do well? What don't you do well? And probably the, just the evolution of that, of you know, when I do it well and when I don't do it well, is I'm often, I'm acutely aware of what I'm not good at. And so when I am doing things well, I'm engaging other people in their sort of flow or their genius really well to help me out Mm. because I know I can get to a certain point and then it's someone else's genius. So the other side of that is I am holding on to too many things at Mm. once. Now, I'm totally okay. You probably know me. I definitely have a bias more towards let people go and do on their own devices kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Which has its downfalls and it has its positives as well. But it's probably when I'll I'll, I'll just hold on to something for a little bit too long before asking for help. I'm much quicker these days of recognising that that's what's happened and why I felt like, gee, today was a really tough day. Why was that? It was because you didn't actually progress that thing like it kind of went around in circles or you didn't get to it or you didn't hand it over to someone else, uh, that's usually when I find, okay, that was a bad day, put it behind me, tomorrow I'm going to engage more people in this to help mm. me out.
1: I'm not a disciple of Tony Robbins, probably to the same extent you are, but I observe in you at least this extra human need. How many human needs
0: is there? Six? Yes, according yeah. to Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, there's almost this seventh one, right? Of like progress. I don't know if that's one of Tony's or not. Oh, but you i could say literally... growth.
0: Growth is one of them, but progress. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I often observe that in you. It's like, right? It, it's kind of not growth at all costs. That's certainly not what I'm implying. But yeah. it's like if I don't, if I haven't made progress, if we're not getting somewhere, I have an unmet need.
0: That's a great point. Great observation. Great observation. Because literally, like, just out of out of view here is I keep at a very high level, the most important things that I'm part of or working on or accountable for. And I've been coming to that more and more recently at the end of the day, and I look at it and I go, what did I make progress on today? That's literally the question I ask myself. And I feel good, even if it was, I answered an email about that thing and moved it forward. It, 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 it was at this point, this morning, this morning, It's now at this point, this afternoon, it's Mm -hmm. progressed. Yeah, So I I really feel like if I just keep, and that comes back to flow, is that are things flowing like a river versus still like a lake? I like to just keep it going. Mm -hmm. So hence why I like to have something on my desk, add my contribution to it, and then pass it on to the next person, to add their skill set, perspective, flavor. And then it can come back to me, but I really enjoy helping other people experience that sense of flow. Literally on the board here, it says workflow versus workload. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when it's a load, it's like there's too much that's piled up. And I literally think of it like, uh, like a waterfall or a running river, if you would. I didn't actually move that to someone else. Now, I guess I sometimes think, well, don't just pass your problems on to someone else. <laughs> and like, you know, throw more workload to them. But have I, have I contributed to that thing and then floated onto the next rightful person to continue that flow? So that's how I think about it. Progress. There you go. Fascinating. Thanks for being my counsellor and my psychologist.
1: <laughs> I, I think as I engage with clinic owners around the place, in these types of conversations are probably what's lacking, yeah? There's certainly room for all sorts of conversations, but us to... To bounce around and and hopefully this is insightful, useful for someone watching or, or listening, and and if nothing else, to go yeah, I feel I feel that on a, on a, like an esoteric level um, that there's someone else like me
0: <laughs> in the world. It is it is funny how you can you can tend to think of that, and a lot of the clinic owners that we work with will say that. I had one just the other day, like oh thank God, you know I'm not. I thought maybe I was the only one. Mm. Um, um, so, yeah, it is good to be able to share those, those anecdotes and, and learnings. It is. Well, we might pull up something there. Thanks for the chat. Great to connect. Talk soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.